Welcome to Best Picture This, where it is always Oscar season. I'm Mike. And I'm Brian. In this show, we reevaluate every Best Picture nominee from the 21st century and decide whether to keep it or kick it from its Oscar pedestal. And when we kick a movie, well, that's one doodle you can undid. Home skillet. <laughs> Home skillet. <laughs> Home skillet. <laughs> In 2007, the nominees for Best Picture were Michael Clayton, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, Atonement, and today's movie, Juno, directed by Jason Reitman. Here's the trailer. prognosis fertile myrtle minus or plus there it is little pink plus sign is so unholy that ain't no etch-a-sketch this is one doodle that can't be undid home skillet just tell him i'm pregnant who is the father it's polly bleaker polly bleaker i didn't think he had it in him i know right <laughs> did you see that coming yeah but i was hoping she was expelled her into hard drugs her dwi anything but this i could like have this baby and, and give it to someone that like, totally needs it you should look at the penny saver they have ads for parents yeah desperately seeking spawn hi i'm vanessa hi i'm the husband this of course is juno like the city in alaska no you're a part-time love friend, a full-time friend. When this is all over, we can, and we can always get back together. Uh, were we together? Yeah, we were once, you know, at time. You think you're really going to do this thing? If I could just have the thing and, and give it to you now, I totally would. But I'm guessing it looks probably like a sea monkey right now. Oh, I should let it get a little cuter, yes. right? Great. Keep it in the oven. Fox Searchlight Pictures presents a comedy about life. Well, I thought you were the kind of girl who knew when to say when. I don't really know what kind of girl I am. And the bumps along the way. Your little girlfriend gave me the stink eye in our class yesterday. Katrina's not my girlfriend, all right? And I doubt that she gave you the stink eye. That's just the way her face looks, you know? That's just her face. I don't know if I'm even ready to be a father. Yeah, big puffy version of Junebug. Where you been? Start dealing with things way beyond my maturity level. know that it's possible that two people can stay happy together forever the best thing you can do is find a person who loves you for exactly what you are juno your parents are probably wondering where you are nah. i mean i'm already pregnant so what other kind of shenanigans can i get into <laughs> is the narrator necessary <laughs> no. very rarely is the narrator all that necessary uh, Juno won the Oscar for Best Original Screenplay, Diablo Cody. Uh, it earned three other Oscar nominations, including Best Picture, Best Actress for the then 20-year-old Ellen slash Elliot Page, the fifth youngest nominee in the category. So that's pretty, pretty cool. Rotten Tomatoes gave the movie a 94. Paste Magazine named it one of the best 50 movies of the decade, ranking it number 15. You think, wow. it's, think it's up there? That's a bit generous. A little bit. I'd say. Um, it was made for six and a half million. I like it, that. And it made 231. Ooh. That's, that's a good <laughs> ROI. Juno premiered in 07 in Toronto and it got a standing ovation. Of course. Was it 20 minutes? According to Roger Ebert, who was there, mm -hmm. I don't know when I've heard a standing ovation so long, loud, and warm. 
Wow. So is <laughs> Diablo Cody and Jason Reitman, are they there at that screening? Is that why these know. are happening? Or is it like when the airplane <laughs> lands and you clap, even though the pilot can't hear you? I don't know. Good question. Um, but one other, one other quick award uh, trivia that I found. Mm-hmm. Um, Elliot Page and Michael Sarah were nominated for Best Seduction Scene by the Alliance of Women Film Journalists that year. What? Really? We got to do a show of uh, instead of Oscars, we should always we should just look through every year's worth of Alliance of Women Film Journalists awards. I mean, I'm just trying to Analyze. think what scene that even was. I know a seduction scene. I don't know. Wow. Okay. Um, coming up in the show, we'll ask each other some questions, talk trivia, keep it or kick it, and maybe what else are you watching? Okay. We've got some time. So, Brian, mm-hmm. Renee Rodriguez, Miami Herald. Mm-hmm. He said. Juno comes on all wisecracking and aren't we clever, but don't be surprised if you find yourself getting choked up with happy tears by the end. And so I want to get your take on that because Mm -hmm. he's right. It's not just the dialogue here that's quirky, bordering on annoying. It's also (laughs) the cutesy animation, the precious songs in the soundtrack. Mm -hmm. So did you find any of that grading? And if so, did it win you over like it did Renee? It was very grating. I remember watching the first half of it this time around. I've seen it once before and, you know, I, I admired it. I mean, it's pretty, it's sharp writing no matter what, whether you feel like it's kind of over the top or not, the writing is sharp. Whether you feel like it's realistic enough to feel like real dialogue, you know, that's a different question. She's not going for realism. It's, there's a, there's a, there's a shtick here that she's, that Diablo Cody is going for. And um, Paige pulls it off really well, yeah. but I I kept thinking like, I feel like I should be laughing. <laughs> Were you laughing? And at I was I wasn't laughing at all. Really? I was okay. just kind of I was admiring the the cleverness of it, uh-huh. and I didn't really you know. But but it started to feel just like too much of a gag. To Did me you for, laugh the first time? I don't know because I am interested in that with this particular me movie. Too, me how too. the time affects I know. I don't I don't remember feeling like a roll on the floor laughing type of a movie. My sister on the other hand, Becky, mm-hmm. she was all about this. I mean, she looked she was like a clone of Juno, okay. I think growing up like that. At least that's kind of one one uh, <laughs> one way that you could kind of I don't know. Maybe she's listening and insulted by that or yeah. something. How but dare she quotes you? this movie. You know, she's one of the few people I know who like Quotes this movie, and okay. there Does are she call a lot you of home skillet. No, but there are a lot of like good one-liner, you know, yeah, dialogue bits in this. So I, I got some chuckles. I mean, yeah. I, I I remembered the first time that I saw it too. Same deal in theater. Like, I got some laughs out of it, but I think my experience this time was very similar to that experience mm. in the movie theater, in that I was enjoying it while simultaneously being very aware of how it was annoying me and what about it was annoying Mm -hmm. me. And that's very Little Miss Sunshine-ish, I think. And there are a couple other parallels with that that I'm sure we'll bring up. There's a lot of parallels. Also, that that whole like intro... title sequence mm-hmm. you know that that felt very much like watching sideways or not sideways american Sorry. splendor oh yeah it was okay. kind of like a similar that. kind of animation thing but abigail breslin wears the yellow headband and wristbands michael sarah wears the yellow headband there's a um, what's we, with we, the headbands we and mentioned wristbands? yeah we mentioned this i think in a previous episode but it seems very much that little miss sunshine paves the way for this movie in the oscars yeah and then this movie kind of takes the quirkiness that worked in Little Miss Sunshine even further. Indeed. And maybe it doesn't 
age so well, but I don't want to start with the negative. So I'll just, yeah. I'm going to run down some positives okay. that I had um, with my experience here. Paige, like you said, fantastic. I think, I think really, really good performance there. I also really like Jennifer Garner. I think that she's great in this with kind of not a whole lot to do, but she mm -hmm. makes the scenes really count. And there's a complexity with her relationship with Bateman because he's the villain of this movie. I think it's safe to say, but it's not so simple as like, he's just a man child who doesn't want to have a baby and he's irresponsible. Like she's also kind of overbearing and they, oh, yeah. they give you several hints about that. And you he says, don't mock me. And you kind of feel that, you know, like you're making fun of my dream and why is my dream? Why, why should don't mock my dream? Like if you yeah. love me, so I'm only allowed to have one room moment. in the house. Yeah. <laughs> when they're having a fight, she tells them your t-shirt is stupid. Yep. I, I mean, she's not. And she says it's Kurt Cobain. It's clearly super unknown Soundgarden <laughs> on the shirt. Yeah. Come I mean, on. she doesn't even know her, her grunge. <laughs> so, I mean, that's embarrassing. Um, but then also Diablo Cody fits in some good horror references in this, which is kind of interesting because like tips off what she's going to do next with Jennifer's body. So, you know, I like mm. those kind of connections. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, good movie overall. Yeah. Funny, I think. Um, but I do wonder if maybe we sort of misinterpreted the personality and it being different with greatness. The more serious the movie gets, the better it gets. Yeah. In my yeah. opinion. Which I almost wonder if it would have taken itself more seriously the whole way through if I really would have been on board. Maybe. Um, so this movie, my first question to you is, my, this movie has received criticism and praise mm -hmm. from both anti-abortion groups and abortion rights groups. Hmm. Okay. So you're making everybody mad and everybody, you're making people mad and happy on both sides. Mm -hmm. This is kind of interesting. Um, A.O. Scott from the New York Times agreed that Juno has, quote, an underlying theme, a message that is not anti-abortion, but rather pro-adulthood, unquote. Um, a lot of the, I, I don't really understand. Well, did you feel like this was having some sort of a, a anti-abortion or abortion rights message? No, it's unavoidable to... You can't circumvent that all the way, right? Because there is a scene where she goes to an abortion clinic and then she thinks about, oh, you know, there's... They have fingernails. Yeah, they have fingernails yeah. and then she leaves. Mm -hmm. So that is in this movie. Um, so it's going to color the way that you see that issue if you're looking for it. But if this was going to... If she was going to have an abortion there, then this becomes an abortion movie, which it doesn't... Right. It never set out to be. That's not what it wants to be. So I kind of just think that's more of a plot device than a message of any kind. I, I feel like if you're going to say this is a problem movie because it is anti-abortion, where where do you go from there? Like it, it, it would only be, you know, a good movie if she did have the abortion or if, if someone decides they don't want to have an abortion, does that mean that you're not, you know, feminist enough or something? I, I just don't really understand the anti-abortion argument you know against the movie um but uh, jason reitman the director said he thought it was fantastic that both groups were some of them were embracing the movie on both sides hmm. he said that quote juno seems to be a mirror and people on both sides see themselves in it unquote okay so i i think that the movie does actually a good job of showing like it seems like kind of the only way out for a lot of people and then she decides not to but it's a tough choice all along and She's making a big sacrifice and it's not, you know, there's, there's no like real, uh, 
I don't think that it, it's a message movie about abortion. Okay. My, my conclusion. I don't either, but that doesn't mean that I don't have problems with how mm-hmm. it deals with this issue. So this is leading into my next question pretty okay. nicely. So Bob Mandelo, NPR, he says, screenwriter Diablo Cody and director Jason Reitman make Juno the marvel- marvelously unstill center of a wistfully acerbic comedy that qualifies as a feminized version of Knocked Up, unquote. So I thought this is interesting because in both movies, the main characters make a mistake, unplanned pregnancy, Mm -hmm. but then that mistake ends up being the thing that helps them find true love, you know? So actually getting pregnant through a one night stand with a stranger or as a 16 year old is a good thing, you know, because it gets, it's intermingled with fate somehow to kind of get you to being together with the person that you're meant to be with mm-hmm. um if we want to believe in you know that fairy tale so is that too tidy you know in both movies it kind of does the same thing and i don't have a problem with it as in terms of message or no message because i don't think that that's there but as a plot device is this um what is it doing i don't think it's too tidy at all because this is something that happens in real life all the time and mm. it, it's a very difficult problem it's almost like um, there could be a whole lot more movies about this this debate, this this issue that that a lot of men and women kind of struggle with. Like, so yeah, I don't know. It it just seems like you can't win because if you say that someone decides not to have an abortion, then you're therefore anti, you know, women. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. know. I think that a lot of women have an abortion reluctantly. It's a hard decision for a lot of people. I'm sure it's a hard decision. So why why can't there be a hard decision? But it's in this not movie? the abortion so much yeah. that I that 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 topic that, that I have an issue to with. Love. It's more that yes, okay, I made a mistake, but actually, at the end of every story, there's a happy ending. I think and that I think yeah. it's just you know we have a natural inclination to want things to wrap up in a happy way. Like no, there was no mistake made. Well, this it's is corrected. Why, this is why there's movies like Mist, The Mist. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, and we'll talk about that <laughs> um, next episode. But yeah, I think that um, any kind of traumatic experience might lead someone to have some self awareness. This is a hard thing that that uh, Juno's going through. So, so do you think that I there didn't... is any irony at all in in the love story at the end here, or it's like it's legit true love? I think that it is. I think that it, it's teenage love. I don't know if it's lasting love for Michael, Sarah, and Paige, and um, but I don't think that it's trying to be cheap or predictable about the relationship. I think I think it's trying to have depict a real teenage, you know, something that that went from a, a maybe a, a an experimental passion night to maybe developing into something more real. And I, I, I think that that works in the movie. Hmm. I, I definitely think the language of the movie wants us to to buy yeah. into the legitimacy of that mm-hmm. romance in the moment anyway. And I'm kind of glad that it doesn't it doesn't overreach too much to say like, no, this will last forever because it does have discussions earlier in the movie. And I think we heard them in the trailer where Paige is kind of talking about like is true love possible i'm glad that that's in there because divorce looms over all of this Mm -hmm. but at the same time what a great coincidence that the first person you sleep with ends up being you know your one true love i don't i don't get the sense that it was a one true love but i i don't i don't think the movie cheese to her macaroni i don't think the movie is trying to say (laughs) that this is who they will 
you know, that they'll someday get married or be lifelong partners necessarily. I think that it, I think that they, that there's some depth to their relationship and that's as much as it's really trying to say. Uh, Lee's leaves that on, I mean, they could, Diablo Cody could have had a flash forward 10 years and they've got two kids. I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah, that would have been bad. <laughs> a lot of movies do that. Ugh. It could have been a, a frame movie of them as old people and then just all flashback. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so Diablo Cody said about this writing the film, quote, women are clever, women are funny, women are sharp, and I wanted to show that these girls were human and not the stereotypical teenage girls that we often see in the media. She said there's a lack of authentic teen characters. I saw writing the screenplay as an opportunity to create an iconic female. Hmm. Paige said, girls haven't had that sort of character before. We don't have our catcher in the rye. Hmm. Do you see Juno as an iconic character? You know, if you're going to make a list of like the top characters of the 21st century, is she going to be one of them? Whether you like the movie or not, mm -hmm. is she an iconic character that's, gonna, that's got some staying power? I think it would be fair to put her on that list. Yeah. If she's too. on my personal list, I'm I'm not sure. But I mean, as far as high school movies go, I, I definitely would think that this has a fair argument to make of being included. And, you know, that character in particular, I'm just trying to run through in my mind really quick of like other memorable female characters who are who are young and not really Yeah, there's not a lot to choose from. Yeah, I'm not thinking of many. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think that's fair. I think she's I think Diablo Cody set out to if she set out to create an iconic character, I think that was pretty pretty well mission accomplished. Yep. All right. Simple one here. We already brought up Little Miss Sunshine, mm -hmm. so you know I gotta ask you, mm -hmm. this or Little Miss Sunshine? I definitely go with Little Miss Sunshine. I thought you would over I this one. You would. I mean, that's one of my top five for the year for sure. This one I'm gonna reveal is a loose kick. It's not going to be in my top five, but it's not. It's not because I don't like it. You know, mm -hmm. I think that mm -hmm. it redeems itself in the second half. There's a lot to a lot to go for it, and the accomplishment to to create a iconic character is an achievement. Yeah, that is. Um, you know, many screenwriters try to do this their whole careers and don't don't do it nearly as well as Diablo Cody did in this movie. So. Yeah, I'll How say about, what that about you? Would, when, you? You're not as big of a Little Miss Sunshine fan as I am, so what, what well, would you prefer? When they came out, I definitely would have put Little Miss Sunshine above. Like mm. As I said, that was a gentleman's five star when it came out for me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I gave it a full five star. And then watching it again, um, had a much different experience with it yeah. and kind of found a lot more to dislike about it. Whereas this, this one, the very first time I saw it, I had a very complicated experience with it. And it was very similar this time around of finding a lot of things to like and then kind of being annoyed half of the time too. So I think now I'd put Juno above Little Miss Sunshine. Mm -hmm. But I do think that it's interesting that another one of the similarities is the way that they approach cast in both movies. Yeah. You know, this ensemble is filled with character actors here. You know, you have Michael Sarah, Allison Janney, J.K. Simmons. It's like yep. it's a cast of characters just like in Little Miss Sunshine. Just like The Mist. Just like oh man, I can't wait to talk <laughs> about The Mist. <laughs> Um, who did you think is more convincing, Paige or Garner? 
Garner because she's more of a human being. But I mean, if we're is talking, she, well, that's interesting. You say that because is she not sort of a caricature? She also, she, I guess she's a, like a mom machine. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But the I think the most impactful scene of the movie, although when Paige kind of breaks down and cries in the Astrovan, that's that's good. I think that's why she was nominated for the Oscar. Probably it, that showing a range, you know, from from beginning to end, she had mm-hmm. to have that kind of a scene. But when Garner is at the the mall, the mall, yeah, and she's like kneeling down, yep, hi baby. It's so awkward and like horrible, but yet you can tell that how you, you can tell what she wants so easily and so clearly, and her expression on her face is so complicated, and it, it's it's really beautiful in a way, but yeah. also really really hard to watch almost. I think that scene is like. Oscar worthy material right yeah, there more so more so than anything Paige did in the movie although I think she was you know the character is better than the acting for for Paige and slash Diablo Cody's perf- yeah. you know connection there but Jennifer Garner was wow made me look up whether or not she was uh, nominated for best supporting actress Jennifer because Garner. of yeah. that scene yeah, yeah absolutely because she is that good in it but you're right I mean she's I say she's more of a human being because she's not full of the pop culture references and and the the jargon yeah. and everything like that, which which uh, her, Juno is. Her character is more realistic than yes. Juno's character. Yeah, but they but they both exist, I guess, in Juno Land, and yeah. nothing really is realistic mm-hmm. in Juno Land. A little bit of trivia: Diablo Cody used a hamburger phone identical to the one that appears in the <laughs> film. And Fox Searchlight sent hamburger phones to uh, journalists and critics to entice them to review the movie. Oh, jeez. <laughs> if you got a free hamburger phone, would you use it? I would give it, it five stars. <laughs> Five-star movie, would and you, I would use it. Where would you put this phone? <laughs> would it be in your living room? In their fridge. Oh, in the fridge. Okay. Um, in the answer. month after the movie's release, sales of the phone on eBay increased 759%. <laughs> and it was named one of the 10 cool gifts for film buffs by Entertainment Weekly. Oh, God. Um, Diablo Cody wrote the screenplay in seven weeks while at Starbucks's at in, in Minnesota. When you hear this, do you feel inspired to try I to... to in- I totally do. So do I. Like, let's, let's write a movie. How many times have I told you To this? give it two months. Yes. Like in eight weeks, no matter what, you it's going to be written. Yeah, you spend three weeks, two weeks making an airtight plot with all your cards figured out, mm-hmm. and then you split up the scenes and you write it. Boom. Boom, done. Done. I just Oscar. I can't totally wrap my head around doing it that quickly, but because <laughs> I keep hearing things like this over and over again, it does make me want to try. I think it happens. I <laughs> think it happens. Just to see what comes out. Jennifer Garner <laughs> accepted a lower salary than usual to prevent the film from going over budget. I don't know what that film, what that salary was, but the total budget was six and a half million, so it must not have been a big salary for her. Mm, not alias money. The title sequence had used 900 still images of a walking and drinking page, and they're printed out, repeatedly run through a Xerox machine to degrade their quality until it looked like they're hand, hand-drawn. Hmm. Okay, that's, so, that's cool. Mike, you said you prefer this to Little Miss Sunshine. Are you going to keep it? I do prefer it to Little Miss Sunshine. Not going to keep Is it, Is it though. a top 10 movie? I don't know, maybe. Um, 07's a big year. But 07 is a big year, and the more I'm kind of looking down that list, I think this is going to be one of those years where even after my 10, I'm going to find a bunch that I yeah. feel like in other years could have easily made my 6 through 10. So yep. I don't know, but... Um, 
I guess the fact that it could maybe make my 10 says something about yeah. what I think of it, mm-hmm. but uh, I'm not as enamored as people seem to be it's, at the time. Yeah, with it's this definitely movie. a 10-worthy movie, uh, whether it personally resonates. I think it really comes down to whether those initial jokes, all that quirkiness, does it great or does it say like, this is my world, this is, mm. you know, this is my jam. My sister, that was her jam. And for me, it was a little, I guess I was a sort of a fuddy-duddy even at the time. <laughs> for me, it was kind of both. <laughs> where I said, okay, I appreciate what we're doing here, yeah. but like, tone it down. It, it felt like a very fine-tuned script, you yep. know? It's like, let's, let's pump this up. Yep. Keep pumping it. In the next episode, we're going to talk about The Mist, Frank Darabont's creature feature with an unforgettable ending that we will definitely be spoiling for you in the next episode. Oh, yeah. Find us at bestpicturethis.com on Spotify, Apple, or wherever else you listen. We're also on Facebook and Twitter at Best Picture This. And for 16 years of golden takes, head over to letterboxd slash Mike Cavalier. To support the show, visit patreon.com slash bestpicturethis. Thanks to WNZF and the illustrious Mark Gilliland. And also please remember to review, rate, and subscribe. Thanks for listening to Best Picture This, the hamburger phone of film criticism. Chicken.